Hey guys, Fishing Kid here. Before we get started in today's video, I just want to take a minute to talk about these Bursa Rattles from Whisker Seeker Tackle. They put out sound and vibration in the water to help those catfish keen in on your bait. If you've seen any of my catfishing videos, I use these things all the time. So for the rest of February, Whisker Seeker is offering 25% off to all the BFFs out there with the coupon code BFF25 underscore Bursa. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode and I'll see you later. Welcome to another episode of Beer Fish Fanatics. This is Grady with Mob Pop Fishing. We have Kit with the Fishing Kit YouTube channel. And today we have a special guest. I think I think uh, Fishing Kit and myself talk about this. We, we definitely want to have uh, the Iowa DNR represent, uh, you know, at least quarterly with us. So today we actually have Tyler Stubbs. He's the Iowa DNR community fishing biologist. Uh, he's gracious enough to, to spend his time this evening with us so thank you so much tyler yeah thanks for having me i really appreciate it yeah so anybody who who needs to know about tyler all you need to do is kind of go look into the iowa dnr obviously he's part of the the iowa dnr podcast make sure you guys check that out uh with ross peterson and jeff kapaska and everything you guys you guys do that monthly right yeah every month i think i've been on there maybe two years now. And I think Jeff and Ross were doing it for maybe two years before I came on. Cool. So it's been going a while. Yeah. So make sure everybody check that out. They got some great information on that. So, um, this episode, so I just want to say thanks to Kelowna, uh, brewing again down there in Kelowna, Iowa. I'm, I'm, I'm going light today, kit. I'm doing the Kelowna classic. It's a light lager. Uh, yeah, I'm going light, man. I don't know. What do you got? Uh, I got the same thing. I had a long day at work, but I'm going to take it easy today. Awesome. So let me pour this. I'm going to, you know, usually we, we're kind of hop heads, but today, I don't know, man. I just decided like, I'm not going to do hops. I'm not going to do dark beer today. I'm just going to do a nice little light lager. And so light beer, are they all light in calories? Can somebody fact check me on that? I don't know. hundred percent sure. Like, I know supposedly like a Bud Light, Coors Light, all those domestic beers. I think they're like 100 to 110 calories. Like a regular craft beer is like 140 calories, something like that, right? So my question is on craft light beers, like light lager, are they 100? You know what? I should ask them. But is it like 100? I would think, right, Kit? I don't know. Uh, I would think so. <laughs> That's why they call it light, right? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Cheers, man. All right. Cheers. Yeah, that's actually really good. It's light beer, but it has flavor. Better than the other watered down stuff. But all right, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Tyler. Let's get into Tyler. I I, I want to get more information and, and learn about because I actually have a lot of questions. I think Fishing Kid has a lot of questions. Uh, hopefully, we, we don't bore you, Tyler. But first things first. I mean, let. Do you mind telling uh, our audience, telling us a little bit about yourself? I know uh, you have an extensive background in regards to the, you know, the Iowa DNR and Fisher, you know, biologists and everything. But can you explain that and, and what you do and, and, you know, what effects are uh, your department does in regards to the Iowa DNR and everything? Yeah. So the community fishing program started, um, I want to say 2016 is when I was hired up here before I came here. I was a biologist for the state of Mississippi, uh, but I'm originally from Iowa, okay. uh, up around the Fort Dodge Gallery. Um, and, you know, the DNR has always worked with cities. Uh, what, you know, if they needed help or they 
had questions, we would always, always help, but we never really had a dedicated effort to really improve things and, and help cities along the way. Um, and so that's where this kind of program came from. I want to say probably 2012, somewhere in there, we noticed a shift in our license sales from folks that lived in rural Iowa to urban Iowa. Mm-hmm. And so the majority of our sales in urban Iowa is just increasing uh, every year. And so, you know, why not do some more work where a lot of our anglers are actually living and try to do it as close as we can. And the cities are, are doing that. So with the community fishing program, we help cities with, you know, the majority of these are stormwater retention basins. Uh, so we help them with making designs on those and fish stocking, help them figure out vegetation control issues. Um, some of them are pits, uh, like borrow pits or, or gravel mines uh, that we can help them manage and stock fish in. But the biggest thing is the retention basins. That's kind of our, our bread and butter. And that is, you know, these were for a long time built with like a max depth of six foot, very shallow, built for stormwater control, which makes total sense. Uh, a lot of times people would turn these into fisheries, stock fish in them, and, uh, you know, then over the winter or uh, late summer, we'd have fish kills. And so then the city would be like, why are all these people calling us about fish kills when these weren't even supposed to be for fishing? Um, <laughs> why are people complaining about all the vegetation when these, you know, aren't, these are stormwater basins? And so that's kind of where we've merged that world of fishing and stormwater. We're helping cities develop ponds that require a little less maintenance and provide the opportunity to have a sustainable fish population. Uh, and they're still getting their, their stormwater control. So it's kind of a two, two-fold deal. And it's been well received. Since 2017, we've worked with cities on, for the, by the end of 2021, we'll be at 66 new ponds. Uh, and so that's over 300 acres of a new water to fish around the state. Majority of them here in the Des Moines metro area. But oh. so it's, I don't know, it's been awesome. Uh, working with cities, you know, going to city council meetings and park board meetings and stuff like that. That's not a place where you typically see, you know, the DNR fishery show up at, you know, a city Des Moines park board meeting. Uh, but it's, it's a welcome place. We, we have a great partnership. We work together and it's all for, for fishermen, all for the angler. So nice. that's, that's kind of how the community fishing program been born. Yeah. Cool. Can you talk about, uh, um, what kind of species are you guys putting in these in these ponds? So we treat treat them all like farm ponds, technically, and so we stock them with largemouth bass, bluegill, and channel catfish. Um, some of the pits, like uh, Gray's Lake or Purple Martin, uh, Copper Creek, uh, for instance, they get Terry Trueblood in Iowa City gets uh, hybrid striped bass, and then um, we've we've started. Experiment some with yellow perch in some of the, the retention ponds to see see what we can make happen with that. But for the most part, we treat them all just like a farm pond. Uh, we rely on the fish to reproduce. A lot of states have, you know, their urban programs are just continually stocking catchable sized fish uh, to try to increase catch rates in that. But we treat them, I mean, there's so many of them. Uh, we're up, you know, it's over 100 in the Des Moines area. There's no way we could be able to keep up with that so we just try to stock them all as as a farm pond the bass the bluegill reproduce and then we 
supplementally stock channel catfish every three to five years or so because uh, they typically don't reproduce. Okay. You're making him happy when you said about those hybrid bass because that's the, that's like his favorite fish to, to go yeah. for and then um yeah you can see that on that picture of that. <laughs> and then mentioning that at copper creek so everybody knows i i, I live uh, uh like two minutes away from copper creek and i had no idea they had hybrid bass in there until this guy I th- were you on your, i think he was on a were you on a kayak or no i was i was i was uh fishing on shore you're shore fishing and he goes yep. hey I caught like a two and a half pound wiper there. And then I'm like, huh? They didn't even know they had wipers at Copper Creek. I'm like, oh. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So why do some of these bodies of water have uh, wipers like those, uh, those pits? So those, a lot of those pits, well, all the ones I mentioned have gizzard shad in them. And so it's a, it's oh. one way to take advantage of those gizzard shad. And it's, you know, the hybrid striped bass, the wiper is a, it's a bonus species. You know, they grow large, they grow quick being a hybrid. Um, and so we try to keep like at Copper Creek's a pretty low population, but it's a high, little higher quality population. Um, and, uh, yeah, they just, they're in there to take advantage of those gizzard shad and provide an additional opportunity. I, I actually wanted to ask, uh, an ice fishing question to you too, cause I don't know, I don't know when we're going to release this episode, but, uh, just to kind of give everybody a heads that we're going through a deep freeze right now. Cause I mean, we, we just got done doing the yellow bass bonanza when it was like minus 39 windshield. All right. So when people, I'll tell you this right now, it was very brutal. Uh, I don't even know how we, we got through the entire weekend cause we even pre fish and I was like, man, it was, it was very brutal. Um, but Tyler, I wanted to ask you, because this was something I think we, we spoke a little bit about uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think a lot of people have been asking, you know, why can't they ice fish in specific, you know, cities and towns nearby? Uh, specifically, let's say ice fishing, because, you know, I live in Pleasant Hill, Iowa. So, you know, it's a, just so people who are listening who don't know, it's a it's a suburb of uh, Des Moines. It's a little bit east of Des Moines. And we can't ice fish on our little ponds or creeks or, you know, lakes around here in Pleasant Hill. And I believe in Altoona, um, you can't, or Bondurant, I I don't think you can either. Um, Do you mind explaining a little bit? Because I know we have a lot of listeners who are local and are probably just kind of wondering, you know, the reasoning behind that, why they can't ice fish those lakes. But then you can go to the next town, you know, one mile over and they can ice fish those ponds or whatnot. Or even in the same town, like mm-hmm. one yeah. one place in Des Moines, you can, and then another place in Des Moines, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, some of the cities do have ordinance, like actual city ordinances that prohibit ice fishing, ice skating, any sort of ice recreation. Um, you know, you mentioned Pleasant Hill and, and Altoona. Bondurant does allow it. You can ice fish in Petroca or, or any of the other. I think there's three ponds here in town in Bondurant. But yeah, a lot of it's ordinances that uh, in Pleasant Hills case that are, they've been there a long time. Copper Creek usually has some pretty shady ice. Uh, you know, the geese keep it open a long time. There's a lot of springs out there. And so as Pleasant Hill continues to grow and starts adding more and more of some of these retention basins, that'll be something that'll help me be able to open up a conversation with the city about maybe changing that. And, uh, you know, Waukee is one that recently uh, made us so you can ice fish. Norwalk's another one made us so you can ice fish. We're starting to see them change a little bit. Some of those ordinances are just old. 
Uh, you know, a lot of it's based on the perception of liability. You know, if somebody were to fall in, who's, who's liable for that, or somebody were to, you know, fall in and drown, uh, you know, who's, who's actually liable for that. Um, as far as some of the cities that allow ice fishing on some and not others, you, know, you mentioned Des Moines, I think somebody else that does that too, maybe Johnston uh, has an ordinance where you can ice fish in four or five of them, but not one. Mm-hmm. And some of that's specifically because of ice quality, like in the Johnston case, I believe there's one that they don't allow it on. Uh, it sits right along uh, a four lane highway. It receives quite a bit of salt. Uh, when we do have some runoff, pretty big spring in it as well. And so, you know, the ice may be, you know, seven, eight inches at the pond down the street, but in that one, it's only two or three. Mm-hmm. There's some some safe reasoning behind those ordinances. And same thing with like Gray's Lake being connected to the river. Um, and uh, there's, I haven't been out there on the ice, I guess, but, you know, supposedly there's times a year where there's some gap, pretty sizable gaps between the ice and the water, depending on what the river level is doing. And so there's some safety reasons behind some of those regulations too. But the biggest thing is on the fish local page, you can click on that individual water body, especially if you're in the Des Moines area. I think I've got them all updated and it'll tell you if you're allowed to ice fish it or not. And that's completely up to the city to decide it's their property. Um, and we'll work through them on, you know, we're, we're trying uh, to, to <clears throat> get some of those changed, but you know, some of them probably aren't going to change and that's, that's fine. Like you mentioned, you can go a mile in either direction and probably find one that you can ice fish. So it's something that we're, we're working through, but on the fish local page, you can, can check that out. You can click on each individual water body and it'll show you if you can or can't. So I've tried to do some of that background work for you. Uh, but, but yeah, there's a variety of reasons for those, those ordinances in regards to ice fishing. Yeah. We'll make sure uh, fishing kill. will make sure he puts the link for that. Uh, so that people can take a look at that. And you know what? You answered one of my questions about Gray's Lake. I, I've always wondered like, come on, dude, why can't we? F-? And then that completely makes sense. I mean, if you really think about it, you know, safety wise and everything, I think um, you probably answered a ton of people who listen to this that are from central Iowa have always asked that like, why? we can ice fish over here, here, here. And then why the heck can we not ice fish Gray's Lake? And I think you just pretty much answered mm-hmm. that. And I think some of it's ice skating too. Ice fishermen have the ability to check the ice and check check the depth of the ice. But if you're out ice skating or playing hockey or whatever, you you don't have the ability to do that. Yours not. I don't ice skate, I guess. But I, if I did, I probably wouldn't bring an auger with me. So you, you know, you wouldn't be able to check. So I think there's some some of those safety reasons there All as right. well for the other. Yeah, we gotta make this a rule. If you're gonna ice skate, bring a spud bar. <laughs> safety first. Yeah, I guess if if they if they allow ice fishermen out there, then other people are gonna see. Then they're gonna go out there, and then those are the people that will probably end up hurting themselves or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it definitely opens up the potential to do that. But the good thing is, uh, you know, in the majority of the cities, in the especially in the Des Moines area, ice fishing's allowed. You know, if you're in Waterloo, Cedar Falls, ice fishing's allowed up there, and so um, you know, there's plenty of places to go close to home. There was one, I think, uh, right before we, we got on, you know, Fishing Kid and myself, we were just kind of talking like, all right, so what determines an urban pond from any, you know, regular, like in your guys, in your department? So what what makes it like, okay, this is a, a project we're going to work on. It's considered urban. Uh, so what, 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 I guess, what constitutes it as that? 
That's a loaded question. You have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I spent a lot of time trying to figure that out. <laughs> uh, so I think the, you know, the Census Bureau listed as 50,000 people is considered oh. urban. Okay. Uh, but we've only got like four communities in the state of Iowa that are 50,000 or over. And so we drop that down to around 25,000, which is actually about 25 communities. And so that's kind of where we start focus when we started all this to include those communities. I want to say the 25th one was maybe Fort Dodge or Newton, somewhere in there in Indianola, but then including also the suburbs, you know, cities like Bondurant, you know, only has five or 6,000 people, but it's connected to Altoona and probably connected to Ankeny within the next couple of years. And you've <laughs> yeah. got some of those other communities that are like, and so um, that's actually kind of the reason why we changed the name. When we first started, it was the urban program but we've changed it to the community fishing program because that is something that resonates with, with everybody. You know, it's mm -hmm. uh, people, even people in Des Moines don't really consider themselves, you know, quote urban. <laughs> and so uh, having, we just kind of changed it to be more community based, but we work with anybody. Um, you know, if there's a city out there that has questions or, you know, has something they need to figure out a problem. Uh, you know, I've worked with, with cities down to just a few hundred people that have public fishing ponds. And so it's, it's kind of broadened our scope a little bit, but the majority of the work is definitely focused on those top kind of 25 communities. And again, just looking for, for population, trying to get somewhere close for the more people we can get to a location, you know, that would, or the location that would serve the most amount of people is really kind of a focus. Mm. And especially in, you know, you start talking about the Ankeny ponds, of course they have a following of their own, but, you know, there's somewhere to fish in Ankeny within five minutes of every resident. And the majority of those are within walking distance of, you know, hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. And so they're very accessible. And that's stuff we're really looking to, to promote. That's actually, you guys are doing a great job up in Ankeny. I drive up there quite a bit, actually, to go fish. And uh, it's just, like you said, it's <clears throat> it's kind of crazy up there if, if nobody's ever been in that area to, to fish at those ponds is, you're right. I mean, you can walk from pond to pond to pond if, you know, uh, within a couple of minutes. So it's pretty cool. So you guys are doing a great, you yeah, guys are doing a great job, honestly, I think. Yeah, the cities are the ones really doing the best job. I mean, they're one, they're, they're willing to work with us and allow fishing and, and promote fishing on their own. You know, if you follow any of these cities on social media, uh, a lot of times they're posting fish pictures and, you know, big fish pictures and, and promoting fishing locations. And so the cities are, they're doing an awesome job. They're helping us all along the way and they own the property. And so um, they're, they're promoting fishing as well. So the cities, especially cities like Ankeny, I think they've got the most of any city in the state somewhere. I think they're 34 or 35 ponds in town. And so that's a pretty big undertaking when you start talking about vegetation control and mowing and, you know, goose problems <laughs> and uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's a big undertaking for a city. So yeah. It's a, uh, we're very thankful for, for around the state that are willing to work with us on it to the benefit of the angler. Yeah. I've, I've fished in a few of those Ankeny ponds and I know you mentioned that they, they usually are stocked with bass, bluegill and catfish. Um, so there's, there's a couple I fished I've, that I've caught like hybrid bluegills, pumpkin seeds. And there's one that had a shad, like big shad. I'm talking like 12 inch shad. I'm just curious, you know, what, what, where do you think those uh, extra fish are coming from? Yeah, there's, uh, on top of those, we've seen goldfish, 
and koi and walleyes and right, smallmouth bass, uh, freshwater drum. <laughs> and so the list goes on. Uh, but you know, a lot of those are probably, you know, some sort of introduction by, by an angler, uh, especially some of the, it seems like they show up in ones that have a lot of houses around them. And so it's, it's, uh, I always envision the scenario of you catch fish, you bring it home and you don't want to clean it. So you let it go in this, this local pond, you know, uh, but really don't see any, any terrible issues. The pumpkin seeds have actually really kind of taken off in a couple of those ponds and there's some pretty sizable pumpkin seeds. The shad and the, the buffalo and drum, those are pretty well isolated in just a handful of ponds. There's actually a creek that runs up from, comes from the, the center of Ankeny, but it dumps out at Bob Shetler down below Sailorville. When we have really high water, there's the ability for those fish to run all the way up there. And um, they're right alongside that creek. And so that's, where, that's the ponds where we tend to see the gizzard shad and the buffalo and drum, the more river species. but. Yeah, there's there's some little gems headed hidden all around the, the metro with especially gold. We see a lot of goldfish, but uh, we've seen some nice walleyes, some nice pike. I know somebody caught an 18 and a half inch smallmouth out of a pond in Ankeny last year, which is a you know smallmouth. Yeah. <laughs> so the biggest thing to remember, I guess, with that is is it, it's it's illegal to stock fish in a public water body. So that's just something to keep in mind. It's illegal to stock fish. It's illegal to move water from one water body to the next. And so that's just something we're, we try to get the word out on that. And it's something to be careful about. That's how we, we, we have the, that has the, opens up the ability to have those invasive species um, transfer from one lake to the next. And so it's something to be mindful of that it is illegal to do, but even though it may be Mm -hmm. well-intentioned, it is potentially an issue for us to deal with. Actually, no, that that's a great uh, point because a lot of people are going to be like, you know, what's the difference? I bring this fish from this whatever, you know, pond or other lake. What's the harm? Um, can, if you don't mind, can you explain, you know, besides, you know, in, you know, introducing the invasive species, what is the harm if, let's just say I went fishing at, you know, Red Rock here and I caught a, a nice walleye and I caught a, uh, you know, a nice yellow bass, right? Let's just say I caught, I was like, I, you know, I, I kind of want this species in my pond in my backyard. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know what? I, I, I'm not saying somebody did that. I'm just saying it may have went across their mind. This would be kind of cool if we put this in our pond in our backyard. What's the harm? Oh, absolutely. And I, and you think there's, well, it's only two fish, you know, or it's only one fish, but we, we have kind of a, you know, a prescription on how we stock these ponds. We've got it down to a science on numbers, the size of the fish that we put in. Um, you know, that's something we're still working on, but we've got, you know, down to kind of way, if we put these in at this time, at this size, and this species in at this time, at this size, this is what we'll end up with, you know, two, three years down the road. And when you start introducing fish, different species of fish, that upsets that whole balance. You know, crappies is a good example. Um, we see crappies show up. It's not a species we tend to, we stock, uh, but we see those show up and it's, well, here's, here's one crappie, you know, or here's two, and they're all 12, 13 inches long. You know, they're huge. And then two, three years down the road, the pond is chuck full of six-inch paper-thin crappies. And that upsets that whole balance of a fishery. So those crappies like to eat uh, young-of-the-year bass, for instance. 
So they crop down the bass population. And then that whole group is not there to control the bluegills. So the bluegills become overpopulated. And it's just this whole snowball effect that takes place all from just, you know, adding one different species in. Uh, and the invasive species you brought up is another, that's another concern, especially from a plant standpoint. Uh, we see some, some really weird plants have shown up the last few years, uh, especially ones that you would commonly see in aquariums. And typically they don't cause us too big an issue because they're, a lot of them are very tropical. Mm. And so they'll, they can't through the winter. Um, but well, we do have some invasive plants that, that we don't want to see spread around curly leaf pondweed is one that's very common in a lot of our ponds. And uh, the more, the less we could spread that, the definitely the better. It's a very hard plant to get rid of. So, no, I think yeah, you, it's, uh, it's amazing one thing to a pond can do to kind of mess that balance up. Yep. And then that, that crappie thing, I guarantee you, somebody's probably like, oh, sh- I shouldn't have done that now because whoever listened, because no, it's, 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 you really think about it. It's like, you know, they're just thinking, you know, what's the harm of bringing a, you know, a couple crappies here and then we can get the crappie population getting a little bit bigger. But what you just explained, mm-hmm. there's a domino effect of what you just did and hmm, makes sense though now in, in a way. Huh. Yeah. Crappies are really a sneaky species to deal with because they, their reproduction is very like a cycle. And so they, they give you a kind of a good thought that the first few years, they may not reproduce at all and they're growing big and you've got a, you know, a small population of big fish. And then they may go three or four years in a row where they reproduce very successfully. And then you, and it's just hard to control from that on out. And so they're a hard species to plan around. We typically don't, we try to keep them out of lakes, especially if they're under like 25 acres as much as we can. Is there a, um, like a backup plan for, let's say one of these ponds does get totally blown up with five inch, uh, crappies. Is there, there like a plan in place to, uh, fix that or just redo the whole lake or anything like that? Yes and no. Uh, I mean, there's, we've got plans and abilities to do that, but as I mentioned earlier, we don't own any of these, you know, these are all under city. And so if it's not, you know, it's first and foremost goal is to provide stormwater control and, and flood control. So we're not flooding people's homes and basements. Mm-hmm. And so that's its very control. And so if it's something like if it's a newer pond, um, you know, the chance and it gets screwed up right off the bat, you know, the, the best chance we have is to try to, you know, add in more predator species like largemouth bass, you know, stock adult largemouth bass or some other way to try to con- correct that. Mm. Um, otherwise, we're you know, it just may not happen for a while. But some of these ponds do fill in quite frequently. And so they do need dredging work uh, every so many years. Uh, so we, we're starting to see kind of that cycle start ponds that were built in the late 90s, early 2000s. We're starting to see more and more renovations happen. And that's our opportunity to go in and maybe correct some of those issues that, are, that we've been dealing with. But yeah, so the plan's yes and no. We have the ability to do that, but it, a lot of times it's not our call most of the time. So Gotcha. I mean, what would you say is like, uh, I guess the biggest challenge for, for you, uh, at the Iowa DNR with, with anglers, I guess you can say, is there, is there any, any challenges or what would you say is like the biggest, like, okay, guys, this is do this and it'll, it'll make my life easier <laughs> or type of thing. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I, I'm just wondering like, as, as, as a fish biologist, like, you know, and, and you wish that fishermen and women would would know or understand a little bit more yeah probably one of the biggest things 
there's there's lots of things I guess that come to mind, but the biggest thing is buy a license and know what your license goes to pay for. Mm. You know, your license is not just thrown into some pot of money somewhere. You know, it's being re- returned right back around and invested right back into where you're at, you know, jobs like mine and, and projects that we deal with. And so just kind of the importance of a license, you know, not only from the legal aspect, yeah, you need a fishing license, but just from what it brings back uh, to the resource for you, that's probably the biggest thing. And in an urban area, that is a big thing. You know, there's a lot of people that, that really just do not know who we are, what we're doing, you know, why we're managing fish in these small ponds. And it's not just, it's not that they don't, you know, like us or don't care. They just simply may not know. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we're hoping, you know, people start seeing us more and more in these cities. Uh, they'll take notice to, to some of the work that's going on and why. And, uh, you know, it just brings in the importance of that, of that having that license. The other thing from an urban standpoint, we're really trying to get people to latch on to is, is what you do on your yard, you know, affects that pond that, you know, maybe just down the street from you, you know, not fertilizing your yard as much, picking up dog waste and, you know, taking those nutrients off the ground uh, is something that can, you know, have a pretty big effect on that small little pond at the end of your street that you like to fish, especially when you're talking about vegetation problems. Uh, And so just seeing, getting people to see that connection that, you know, what I do in my front yard (laughs) to my grass, uh, you know, is ultimately affecting this pond that all my yard drains into uh, and the quality of it. So having that connection is, is a big one we're trying to work on. Mm. I'm not sure how we're going to get that accomplished, but we're figuring it out. Mm. Man, it's a domino effect, everyone. Damn it. Just listen to <laughs> Tyler. Jeez. <laughs> hey, Tyler. Well, were you involved? I, I guess it's not really a pond, but like Easter Lake just got renovated. Uh, would that be considered one of your areas that you'd be involved in? Yeah, I mean, it was um, renovated, I think, right when I got here. Um, and, uh, I mean, we treat it as a, it's an urban fishery, obviously. You know, it sits right in the middle of Southside Des Moines. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did as such. I work with with Ben, the district biologist. He's out of Boone. Um, and we, and Polk County Conservation actually owns that. And so we've all worked together on on that project as far as, as restocking and, and, uh, you know, the renovation process and all that. But, um, you know, that's, that's one size wise is a little out of my, my house. I'm usually dealing with the, the actual city owned smaller ones. Okay. Yeah. I just thought about it because you were talking about like the, the uh, nutrients and stuff. I remember seeing a lot of posts, uh, on Facebook when they're like taking all these measurements to try to, keep those nutrients out of the lake so it doesn't you know get blown up with algae or whatever so it just it just brought that to mind Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of cities uh will have like stormwater grants that you can apply for to help pay for you know rain gardens in your yard or you know some sort of lawn management stuff rain barrels and so that's kind of the reasoning behind all that is to to help improve the water quality down the street yeah Easter Lake's a good example we actually have a lot of listeners from uh, different states, from whether it's in California, Minnesota, Wisconsin. I mean, we got listeners all over, all over the U.S. Actually, what would you say? Is, I guess you can say Tyler is the biggest um, difference between the Iowa DNR and 
would you say the Minnesota DNR or the Wisconsin DNR, or California? What what would you say is a, a, a biggest difference of what we do versus, the, or, or is there a difference between how they run things and everything? You know, different states. I mean, a lot of things are very similar. Uh, you know, the funding for all, you know, as far as wildlife fisheries and law enforcement goes, the funding's all the same. That's the national model that your your hunting and fishing licenses go to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and then based on an equation, get sent back to you for reinvestment. Okay. Um, and so that model's all the same. As far as things we work on, yeah, it's you're going to see quite a bit of differences. I mean, we're, we're doing things the same way. You know, we're still uh, using the same equipment. We're statistically doing the same things. You know, but we don't have a Lake Michigan. You know, we don't have a Lake of the Woods. Vice versa, in those states, they, a lot of those don't have – you know, small Southern Iowa impoundments, you know, most of their lakes like in Minnesota and Wisconsin are, are glacial. And so that's a whole different component. You know, you talk about renovations and draining a lake and starting over, you know, you can't do that to Okaboji. <laughs> you know, you can't do that to some of those. And so, uh, you know, that's probably the, probably one of the main differences is, is, and Iowa's uniquely situated where we've got glacial lakes on the Northern end. You know, we've got trout streams in Northeast Iowa. And then we've got lots of small ponds and small impoundments and, you know, some lar really large flood reservoirs like Sailorville and Red Rock that are going to be, you know, you don't see those in, in Minnesota or, or Wisconsin, for instance. So there are some differences there. Um, and the species that we're working on, you know, we, we work with a lot of bass, bluegill, catfish type fisheries, uh, you know, where a lot of the, especially the northern states, you know, walleye, muskie northern pike, uh, whitefish, you know, those yellow perch, those are very common, much more common species. Um, you know, the urban biologist in Wisconsin, uh, she's out of Milwaukee, and a lot of their fisheries are, are yellow perch, pumpkin seed, uh, bass type fisheries, uh, which is, so a little bit of different species, I guess, composition, but for the most part, we're all doing things the same way. We're just doing it in a different place on a different resource. Makes sense. The, as far as the agencies go, um, we're a little unique as far as we're very consolidated. And so the DNR is huge. You know, we, not only do we have wildlife, fisheries, law enforcement, parks, but there's this whole environmental side with water quality and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, underground storage tanks and air quality and all that kind of stuff where in a lot of the southern states, uh, you know, I came from from Mississippi, it was Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. Hmm. The law enforcement was there, and that was it. You know, the environmental side was its own entity. Hmm. And so that's how a lot of other states are as well. So we're, there's some little bit of differences there, but the funding for, for your fishing license stays the exact same. It has to be spent on fishing-related things. So that's a good – I hadn't really thought about that before. That's yeah. a good question. <laughs> so everybody, buy your damn license, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to get we even ha we even have an app now mm -hmm. yep i love the app not gonna lie i don't like carrying that little piece of paper anymore i got the app show that's my license and then um i think was it me and you Kay? or we were just talking to our, our my brother-in-laws dude iowa's fishing license price is very affordable compared to a lot of other states fyi so just buy it trying we're trying <laughs> yeah it's pretty like because we we like to travel to other states or uh, especially the the neighboring states and 
you know, we kind of try to compare the uh, license prices and some of them are like, man, like they cost like, like up to maybe twice as much as what we, we would pay here in Iowa. I mean, granted we're, we're um, from out of state, but we're even like comparing to like their, the local, I guess, a, a resident license. Like theirs is, you know, up to twice as much as what we pay. Mm-hmm. Well, states like Minnesota, for instance, I don't know what their license costs are, but I mean, land of 10,000 lakes, right? I mean, they've got a ton of resources up there that you know, it takes money to take care of those things. So why do they keep coming down here? <laughs> Man, hey, don't, hey, Minnesota, I love you guys. Don't, don't get me wrong, but we see you guys a lot. I'm not going to lie, man. <laughs> I think I know why. Because their rule book is, like what Jeff said, is like, you know, this big and ours is like this. Yes. And that's, uh, I think, when, yeah, when we had Jeff on, that was, he was, he's spot on on that. He's like, yep. The difference between a lot uh, Iowa and a lot of other places is the rule book versus that and that. And like you just said, that's everybody prefers that. <laughs> the small, small amount. Yeah, we try to try to keep it as simple as as simple as possible while still, you know, providing a good opportunity to catch fish. Not only catch fish, but to catch you know, potentially a lot and, and some big fish. But yeah, trying to keep the regulations as simple as possible is is definitely a priority agreed oh yeah tyler uh um i can't believe we skipped over this but the uh the the trout stockings is that part of the fish local program or is that like a separate thing it's uh it's kind of a merged program i guess but the yeah the trout stockings they're all i think we're we're kind of in the middle of them right now i think there's been maybe half of them stocked so far and uh, again some of that's based on location uh, that allow ice fishing and some locations, you know, would allow ice fishing, but, you know, they're down in clear in southern Iowa and on a normal year may only have three inches of ice. So, but the, the trout program has, you know, really been an awesome program. If you've ever been to a trout stocking, you know, like Ada Hayden in the winter, uh, I think we had like 500 and some people on the ice a couple of years ago. Mm. People catching trout left and right, you know, screaming kids, you know, first fish. It was awesome uh, to be out there in the, it's, one of those programs that gives you an opportunity to catch something that you wouldn't normally catch uh, without traveling to Northeast Iowa close to home. Uh, but it also kind of gives you a glimpse of what exists up there. You know, if you've never been to, to Northeast, to the Driftless area, you know, Northeast Iowa or Southeast, Southwestern Wisconsin, um, it's, a, it's awesome up there. And to see some of the work that our, especially our biologists in, in Northeast Iowa and the landowners around there, I mean, we went from having hardly any naturally reproducing trout streams in Northeast Iowa to, I think they're up over 70 now, maybe. And all that's from, you know, commitment of, of land resource around there from the private landowners and DNR and county and all that staff. So, uh, but the trout program is, it's a lot of fun. I take advantage of it. Uh, I take my kids when we go, we're usually pretty successful. That's kind of the goal behind it is, you know, not only do you have a chance to to maybe see one, but you've got, you'll hopefully have a really good chance of catching not only one, but, you know, maybe catching your five, especially those first few days. Uh, but it gets utilized a lot. And uh, I think we're up to, I'm going to say 17 ponds now around the state. Um, you know, here in the Des Moines area, we've got Johnston and uh, Lake Potoka and Bondurant and then Banner Lakes down Indianola. Um, 
And then, of course, Ada Hayden and Ames. But it's coast to coast, man. Council Bluffs to to Davenport. It's it's uh, Fort Madison to Spencer. It's, it's everywhere. So uh, get out and take advantage of that. You do need your trout stamp uh, to go and, and catch those fish and keep those fish. Uh, but it's a it's a fun program to take care of to take be a part of and if you're ever up in northeast Iowa check out those hatcheries you know we've got hatcheries in Manchester, Decorah and Elkader they're really neat you can you know feed fish and all that kind of stuff and and really see where where they lay the groundwork for that those are all you know homegrown uh, fish in our fish hatcheries and they're something we're pretty proud of. Yeah, I we think um I think it was like two or three. Maybe about three years ago, uh, we, I was camping. I took my whole family. Uh, we were camping up there in Backbone. And you're right, the hatcheries up there is pretty cool. My kids love it. They're like, holy crap. Like, it, it was so cool. You get to feed the, all the trout and stuff. It's, it's, just, it's really cool. So anybody who's, you know comes to Iowa, who lives in central Iowa, get up to northeast Iowa if you get an opportunity. It's, it is pretty darn cool to take the kids up there go camping and yeah you're right take them to the the hatcheries uh the trout hatcheries is pretty pretty cool my kids love it so they're just like they want to go back so whenever i get an opportunity on that so can't wait um I haven't uh i haven't tried it yet it's on my it's on my goals my to-do list but i want to fish in one of those trout streams in the middle of the winter because they don't typically mm-hmm. don't freeze mm-hmm. open all year round that's just something on my on my to-do list to get up there and I haven't caught a channel cat through the ice yet. I don't know what's going on, uh, but I cannot figure that out. The short rod show guys said they, you know, they can do it all the time. I have no idea. I don't know what. <laughs> Join the club. I, I am this whole, this whole season, this ice season, I'm still skunked on the channel cats. This guy caught so many last year. Um, but this year you, you struggle a little uh, bit too though, Ken. Huh? I, I guess I forgot how to do it this season. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened, but yeah, his channel, if you get a chance, Tyler, he was like slaying him last year through the ice. And then this year, I don't know. I was like, Oh, I was so excited. Cause I watched him. I was like, Oh, I can't wait. He's going to take me to get me on some right this year. I have caught zero, zero Oops. cats through the, through the ice. I still, still got a chance. Maybe another month. I think maybe. Yeah. Same here. Last year I was like, all right, uh, I got this. I got this <laughs> next season. It's going to be so easy. And I have not caught one yet this season. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is the same thing with wipers. Like, I think it was a two two years ago. I was like, oh, I was like, oh yeah, this guy introduced me to wipers through the ice. I'm like, how hard can that be, right? It's pretty damn hard. For, <laughs> at least for me. I don't know, man. It's just like, golly, these two species. I can't. I am. I haven't caught a wiper. I haven't caught a, a, a catfish through the ice this season. I'm still struggling on that. So go figure. All right, Tyler, uh, I'm going to get away from all the businessy uh, fisheries kind of kind of talk. But uh, so as an angler, what do you like to target? I'm pretty opportunistic. If it's a fish, I'm going to try to catch it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I like to fish for catfish. Uh, I typically, I'll be honest with you, I, the last couple of years, I've really focused on trying to hit all these urban ponds in the metro, not only from my own professional you know, benefit that I've been to all of them. I've fished all of them, uh, but just, I don't know. Cause I really like them. I mean, they, each, uh, each one of them has their own kind of little identity. Uh, and so I've really been trying to figure out the, the catfish and there's some good catfish here in some of these ponds. Uh, and there's some decent bluegills. I really got into a couple of years ago, throwing a frog, uh, for bass in the summer. And so I spent a considerable amount of time with, 
you know, a tackle box full of different frogs. I think I just went to like Bass Pro and bought every different frog I could find <laughs> and, uh, you know, trying to, trying to narrow down a tactic. And, you know, I, I think I got better at it because I definitely caught some more fish by the end of the year. But um, I really, I'll fish for, for anything. Uh, I've got two daughters that are, they're wanting to go fishing all the time now as well. So we, we do a lot of bluegill fishing, uh, especially in Altoona. We've got a couple of good spots where, the fish aren't all that big, but we can, we can guarantee we're going to catch something. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're going to have to get out, Tyler. I, I got to get out with you. Uh, I'll bring my daughters. Uh, they, they are really into fishing. And then plus we got to get out with this guy, Tyler. I'll take you out. He's going to get you on some cats. So uh, this is, he, I think kid, you can get on some, some pretty good catfish here and there, right? Oh yeah. Um, from shore or do you have a ki- kayak, Tyler? I do not. Nope. But I know, especially when the um, once the ice comes out off of off of our lakes here, that's I don't know. I was like when I, I first started getting into it last year, I always heard about the ice out bite. It's like mm-hmm. man, like people are catching piles and piles of them. I never really uh, capitalized on that bite until like last year, and we were catching some some big fish like locally. So that's that's pretty fun. Yeah, it's the same thing I've heard about the the after ice bite, especially. Big Creek, you know, below Big Creek and in certain areas of Big Creek. Mm-hmm. Just haven't been out there to take advantage of that yet. But yeah, it sounds so easy, right? It's yeah. got to be simple. I saw it on Facebook. So, yep. Uh, how hard <laughs> Speaking of Facebook, so we, we got to touch this subject. I, I'm just, I, I, especially when you brought up Big Creek too. But before that, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but before before that, though, definitely we're, we got to get together when ice out. Uh, Fishing Kit has some some pretty good spots we can catch some good good catfish i think so we'll, we'll definitely do that we'll we'll get in touch with you on that one um but yeah the oo part no it's not oo i'm just curious because okay i listened to your guys last podcast big creek you know jeff jeff went on a spew about the reasoning behind so to help explain it honest to 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 the masses to to really understand cause it's a numbers game um so let me touch on this just 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 a little bit. There was a big hoopla on Facebook. There's a big hoopla about Big Creek and wipers and people keeping a bunch of them and how it's going to affect it. We need to have limits and all that stuff. So, I mean, as you're, you're a fish biologist. So as a fish biologist, Big Creek is, is one of, you know, Des Moines, you know, central Iowa main main spots for people to go fish, right? And, you know, obviously they have a good abundance, I, I believe, of, of hybrid bass because I think Iowa DNR did an amazing job, you know, a couple of years ago when they stocked it for like many years straight. So now they're getting to that size, a great size, um, I don't know, maybe five pound-ish or so now. And so, you know, obviously we saw, we saw it on Facebook, we saw it on YouTube, whatever the case may be, and people were catching an abundance and they were taking a lot home and everybody was like we need to put a limit on this we need to put you know people need to stop doing okay everybody's just jumping the horns before anything because they just saw a bunch of pictures and they just see whatever but what do you when you saw that i'm pretty sure you were aware and pretty sure people are hitting you guys up like you guys gotta put a, a limit on this right away you know before everybody's taking bucket homes of wipers but so is this really affecting anything? And I mean, or is people just overreacting in regards to trying to set 
limit for hybrid bass you know what i mean or any fish for that matter but that is a that's a really good question i don't know if i have a great answer for you um i will say i think and jeff had looked that stuff up i'd have to try to remember what all he said but i know stocked hybrids in i want to say 16 17 and 18 mm -hmm. i think there's some requested for this next year and i haven't seen the sampling data that's not one of my focus areas, I guess, you know, it's, uh, I've been out there with, with them sampling a few times, but I haven't seen what the, the data looks like. I know there's from just for me fishing out there this spring, there's a lot of fish. It seems like I caught a ton of fish, like 11 inches. Uh, and there was a, a mix of hybrids and, and white bass in there. What I'm guessing are white bass. There's very hard to tell at that young age by the tongue in the dark, those fish, you know, they're, a lot of fish in that 20 to 22 inch range, probably, you know, they're only what, four or five years old now. So those fish are growing extremely fast. Mm -hmm. They're not slowing down because of lack of resource, not slowing down because they're, you know, they're overpopulated by any means. That's when you would start to see like length regulations come on board is when you've got some sort of limited resource that's slowing the growth of those fish down. Uh, or if you're trying to protect a certain class of fish, a certain size range of fish, which is not the case with a hybrid because they're, they're not reproducing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's the hybrids, I believe between a white bass and a sea run striped bass. It's developed, you know, within the hatchery systems, they're stocked as kind of a bonus species, not only for the angler, but to, you know, there's abundant shad population out there for them to take advantage of. Hybrid species grow quick uh, just by nature. They're not putting energy into reproduction. And so as far as, as over harvest goes, it's not, I think a lot of people are not aware on how many fish you would really have to harvest to be, to really have such an impact. Now, I'm not saying that that may be happening. I don't know. I haven't looked at the data. I have no idea, but I mean, it was just in general, I get that question a lot on the ponds, you know, so-and-so I saw them out here taking, you know, 25 bluegills three days in a row. When the reality of that is there's probably 2000 bluegills out there <laughs> and <laughs> and the 50 are going to be replaced within the next few months when those bluegills reproduce. And that's the same thing with these hybrids. If we're stocking, you know, five to 10,000 at a time, we typically stock hybrids. Uh, you know, our hybrids, our muskies are usually stocked at a pretty large size. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but like a lot of our muskies are 12, 13 inches. Our, our fall catfish are eight to nine inches. And we do that on purpose. That's because they're not eaten right away, uh, you know, by a large mouth or a walleye right off the bat as soon as they go in. So it improves the, the ability for them to successfully survive. And so, you know, if we're stocking five to 10,000 at a time, you know, how many of those are actually leaving the lake? It's a, it's a unique situation because you also have, I mean, a spillway, right? And so that's part of that whole barrier valuation with our walleyes is, is so we're going to lose some to the angler, but we're probably losing some over the spillway. And so it's, it's a tough balance. I really don't have an answer for it other than we don't have a regulation on it. And I would probably assume we prefer not to have a regulation on it just because again, we want to keep it as simple as possible. You can't really regulate in a water body like Big Creek, just hybrid striped bass because at certain lengths, they look so similar to white bass. You know, a lot of people are not going to be able to tell the difference and the white bass are in there reproducing. I did see the Facebook post uh, I did watch it for a little bit. It it got long. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I could sure did. 
I couldn't keep up with it. But I mean, there's there's so many variables. I guess is the the point of my rambling is there are so many variables involved in that to make it to the point that it would be looked at for regulation that it would take some time to figure all that stuff out, especially when it's a species that we know isn't reproducing and we're restocking at the same time to try to keep that population up. Um, but from a science standpoint, you know, there's no limited resource and there's really no reason to protect a certain size class. And so what would be, you know, would it just be a, a bag limit and how do you regulate that with, with white bass? Um, it's something that could definitely add to the confusion of things, but I'm, I'm going off of about this much information that I have yeah. the hybrid population in, in big Creek. So take, take it with a grain of salt, but uh, you know, I, I've caught a few out there. Um, I keep them. I've never caught, I've never just knocked them cold, you know, 30, 40 a night by any means, but you know, I've kept a few smaller ones. They taste okay to me. They're nothing. I don't know. They're good. They're edible. <laughs> <laughs> but Crop, crappies taste better. Uh, they're not my favorite. <laughs> yeah, they're not my favorite species to eat. But yeah. you know, if I catch one, I'm probably gonna gonna keep it. But I've never caught the numbers that that I'm hearing about out there. I guess. And and I think uh, if, if people listen to this podcast or watching this podcast, make sure you guys go check out the Iowa DNR podcast uh, for February for sure. You're right. Jeff went to detail about, you know, the, the whole spiel about those hybrid bats. And I thought it was amazing how he explained um, what it would take for them to put regulation. And even if they, and this is the thing, Jeff Kapaska even said, even if they put regulation on those hybrid bass, it would be more of a length thing, a length limit. And then on top of that, um, I think the, the biggest thing was, it's going to be a social limit. It's not even had to do with anything else. It's going to be a social limit that because fishing kid always says, if we don't regulate ourselves, then the man is going to regulate us. And that's exactly kind of <laughs> in a way. And that's kind of, that's pretty much what Jeff was saying. Like, you know, it's just a social regulation. It wouldn't even be in regards to the species of fish that you're just keeping too much. It was just, and, and that's the case, but yeah, it was a, I, I had to touch that a little bit. I just wanted to bring that up. I don't know. It's just one of those things because everybody saw it. I we jumped. I, I jumped into it because I was just. I, I mean, I didn't jump into it, but I was just like, yeah, this is an interesting question. And it's just it's one of those things. You know, one picture that somebody posted. Obviously, it it hit a nerve with everybody, and it just just kind of spewed away. Mm -hmm. Social media Bag limits are. Bag limits are, are really interesting because there's some stuff that shows, uh, you know, that some of the bag limits will actually increase your harvest. And so if you were to put a bag limit, if you had a fish that had a bag limit of 50 and then you changed it to 10, you'd probably, you have the potential to see more harvest because people want to reach that limit. So when they would maybe only be fishing and keep five, well, I'm only five away from my limit now. And so oh. they continue keep their tan when they go yeah. out yeah psychology see that's, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> psychology just plays right into that that's interesting no you're right though it's, it's so like i'm only five away yeah dang it that's true yeah i um me personally if you if like the people that have been watching my channel for a while i'm all for a length limit on wipers i'm always preaching like hey don't back the big ones because next year i want to catch you know like a 10 pounder if you're keeping all the five pounders that might not happen. I know that's that's probably never going to be the case where you know I'm not going to catch a 10 pounder because 
these people catching five pounders, but I I like to play the odds game, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. It makes sense. But I get, get it. I get it. Uh man, you've been talking for an hour. Holy cow, dude. This is awesome. We we gotta get Tyler back on. I think uh you, you bring a, a lot of wealth and knowledge to to us, or at least to my ignorance and just just educational background on fish and everything so uh kit you got anything else for tyler i mean um, any questions and um, there's there's probably so many burning questions i can't think of anything off the top of my head right now tyler but if our audience wants to get get a hold of you how can they do that you know what are some outlets that they can reach you at so if they just go to the fish local page on the dnr's website so it's iowadnr.gov slash fish local my phone number's on there multiple places my emails on there and feel free to call me email me if you have any questions i'd i would much rather uh you email me a question on something you're not sure about than than go out and and maybe make a mistake um and so you know do not hesitate at all to ask me any questions there's i have no secret spots uh that's what i always tell everybody so uh you know if you say hey i want to catch uh you know a a bunch of bluegills with my kids, you know, what's the best place to go. You know, I will, I will show you the spot on, on the map. I will point that out to you. I'm not necessarily blasting that location by any means, but I want you to be successful. And so, uh, you know, feel free to, to email me or, or call me and would be happy to help. And with that, I'm going to send you an email, Tyler. <laughs> the is good. So, so I can take my kids, but no, thank you so much. I mean, I, lo- I, I think, our audience, I think myself and fishing kid probably learned quite a bit of stuff and, you know, reasoning behind the madness, I guess you can say in regards to what the Iowa DNR and why you guys do certain things. And, you know, there's always a reasoning behind it. So it's kind of cool to have you on here. Um, definitely want to get you back on if that's okay with you. Um, maybe on down the road, maybe when, after we catch some catfish together, that would, that would probably be nice. So we'll definitely do that. Um, no, but thank you uh, so much. And like I said, make sure, you know, listeners go check out the Iowa DNR podcast. I think you guys do a great job of help educating, you know, local here uh, in regards to laws, regulations, and then just, just the, the bite in itself you know if you like to fish you want to learn a little bit more um that's a great podcast that i think you guys are doing and on top of that uh fishing kit will definitely put your link here so everybody can follow and you know just like i said fish local i love that thing i love the concept i love everything about what you guys are doing in regards to the urban well community fishery and everything so take advantage of that and then you know the only thing i can say is buy your damn license everybody and there's a reason there's a reason why you have to buy your license so definitely do that so other than that man thank you so much tyler appreciate it man thanks guys i really appreciate it all right thank you